And all right, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Mark chapter number 14. Mark and chapter number 14. And uh, keep your Bible handy tonight. It's going to be a little bit of a different service, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, preaching service in particular. Maybe a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more teaching, perhaps, uh, than, than maybe normal. I think all preaching involves teaching because we want, want to understand and be reminded of things from God's Word. Uh, but it may, it may seem a, a little bit more, and I, I may, I don't know, it, you know, you never know how it's going to go when you're preaching anyways, but maybe more tied to my notes. I'm not sure. I'm going to try not to be, but I want to try to explain some things, and I'm not Jewish. So that's the challenge. Um, and, uh, unless you have a Jewish friend or you watch Fiddler on the Roof a whole lot, then you <laughs> may not understand a whole lot about, you know, the Jewish background as much as we spend, even in the old Testament and new Testament, there's still elements of it that we just aren't familiar with. And so I want to try to give a little bit of the background to, uh, what we know as the Lord's supper. Um, but I'm mindful of this. There's some people that have been saved within this last year that are brand new to church or just got back into church and may not realize or know, and listen, you, you may have grown up in church and not know that what Jesus observed with his disciples in what we call the Lord's Supper is originally tied to the observance of the Passover and the meal. So I look forward to trying to explain that. And uh, so we'll read about it here in Mark, and then I will have you mark your Bibles in Exodus and chapter 6 and chapter 12. So we'll, we'll do a little bit of Bible reading uh, here tonight. Okay. Uh, Mark 14. Is that what I told you? Mark 14? Good. All right, that's good. Verse 1. After uh, two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said, not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. All right, let's drop down to verse number 12. It says, and the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, where wilt thou that we go and prepare? All right, so there was some preparation that was necessary for this. Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat the Passover? Then Jesus, he gives them instructions as to a man that they would find, a place for them to meet. We know it as the upper room, right? We know it as the upper room where they met. And so that's what we're reading about here. And so it says in verse 15, he'll show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready. Verse 16, and his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he said unto them, and there they made ready the Passover. So it's clear that they are observing uh, what is known as the Jewish Passover. It's also recorded in Exodus chapter 12, how they commemorate this, observe this as, and here's a key word from Exodus 12, 14, as a memorial, a memorial. Remember, remember what God did. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Verse 17, and in the evening he cometh with the twelve. And as they sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? 
And he answered and said unto them, It is one of the twelve, notice this, that dippeth with me in the dish. Everybody see that? That dippeth with me in the dish. Now, when we observe the Lord's Supper, we don't have the dish, right? We have the offering plate. Or, well, we have the <laughs> Lord's Supper plates, elements that goes by. And, uh, and we take the little piece of bread out of it and we take the cup out of it. Okay, but here they have a dish, so there must be more than what we normally do. The Son of Man indeed goeth, I'm in verse 21 now, as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. Okay, verse 22 is what we know as the first observance of the official Lord's Supper. Ties still, they're still observing the Passover and Jesus takes elements of that Passover and I'm going to use this terminology, he heightens them. Gives them a greater significance. Greater significance. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it and gave to them and said, take, eat. This is my body. Symbolic of his body. Obviously it wasn't his body. His body was there. Okay. But he's saying this is a symbol of my body is to remind you. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all did, I'm sorry, and they all drank of it. So they, they passed the cup around. We don't do that for obvious reasons. <laughs> One cup going all the way around would take a while. And COVID. <laughs> Verse 24, and he said unto them, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, notice this verse 25. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now, if you understand what's about to happen, he's about to be crucified. You would think he's not going to get an opportunity to drink another cup. But there's one more cup that he's going to drink. And he's going to drink it with us when we come into the kingdom of God. And that's still to come. We're anticipating that. Every time we observe the Lord's Supper, we're anticipating that cup's coming. It's beautiful. And when they had sung in him, we'll talk about that as well, they went out into the Mount of Olives. So may God bless the reading of his word. The title tonight of the message is Our Liberty Memorial. Our Liberty Memorial. I mentioned uh, even last week in our concluding message of Ephesians that um, we had opportunity to go up to Kansas City, Missouri and and we were able to see the, what is known as the Liberty Memorial. Okay. How many of you have seen the Liberty Memorial? You've been through Kansas City? Okay. Uh, there's, there's just a handful. There's just a handful. Okay. I didn't see a whole lot of hands go up right there. Um, so Union Station, if you're familiar with uh, Kansas City, downtown skyscraper part of, of uh, Kansas City, you've got Union Station. Well, just south of 
the Union Station is the Liberty Memorial, as it's known. It stands 217 feet tall. So you may have known it, not known exactly what it was. It's a significant uh, structure. I'd like to tell you just a little bit about it. I, I don't want to take much time here. It's significant, though, and I, I, once again, I don't mind even to mention it to you. I've said to others, it's one of the best museums I've been through, and it really helped me understand World War I and its, its significance. Well, soon after the war ended, a group of 40 prominent Kansas City residents formed the Liberty Memorial Association to create a lasting monument uh, to the men and women who had served in the war. Of course, the United States went into the war in 1917, so at the tail end of the war, which started in 1914, in 1919, the Liberty Memorial Association, um, and listen to this, 83,000 citizens of Kansas City, this is 1919, they collectively raised more than $2.5 million in just 10 days. Now, 1919, mind you. Now, I mean, $2.5 million is a lot today. But think how much that would be. In fact, this, this uh, information from, from that, uh, the Liberty Memorial about that would say it's probably the equivalent today of about $36 million that they raised in 10 days' time. Highly significant. So uh, this, is, this is also significant. In fact, uh, they had some wonderful um, volunteers that were working there, people maybe in their 60s or 70s. And I asked them, so why Kansas City? Why, why this big memorial? Why, you know, the, um, the museum here? Um, and this kind of answers this. Of the 40 million people who died in World War I, only 441 were from around Kansas City. 440, 441 were from around Kansas City. Now, Harry S. Truman actually was from around Kansas City, and he actually fought in World War I. It was kind of where he got his start. He was in leadership in military. Just listen to David McCullough's uh, Truman, and uh, he, he mentioned that. And so there's some tie there, but, but really it was more this, uh, obviously, what those citizens came together to do. And they said, we don't want to forget the price that was paid for us to have freedom. Well, another connection was this. It sits across from Union Station. And during World War I, a central location, I mean, this is in the heartland of, of our country, and so soldiers would come through, and they're passing through for training or being shipped off uh, for overseas. And, of course, also right here, you know, the cross-section of America where corn and grain was coming through, and thus they'd feed these individuals before they were heading out. So it, it just really it just came to be Kansas City uh, for the World War I Memorial. It's interesting, 217 feet tall, and um, there's significance to, to all of it. I, I don't want to take all our time describing that. One thing that is interesting, uh, there are two sphinx, um, you know, like Egyptian style, but this is a Syrian, I think it is, and, and they are facing, one is facing east, and his, uh, his, his eyes are covered, you know, with his, uh, his wings are covered this way. And then there's another one. So that's at the base of the memorial. The memorial is there. And then there's another sphinx that's here who's facing west and his eyes are covered. As I understood, I was asking the individual that was there, what are the significance of this? And he said, the one that is facing east is hiding its eyes from the horrific war that took place to the east in Germany and 
and Europe and in France and so forth. You get it? It's difficult to think about. The one facing west is the, the concern about the future and not knowing what was coming. Well, if you know history, obviously, then World War II shortly followed and, and there was more atrocities. So that's part of it as well. President uh, Calvin Coolidge uh, spoke at the grand opening of this Liberty Memorial in 1926, once it was completed. And he, he said this, listen, listen to this, and this is where we're going to segue into our message here tonight. He said, it has not been raised to commemorate war and victory, but rather the results of war and victory, which are embodied in peace and liberty. Right? He says we're not commemorating war and victory, but rather the results of war and victory, which are embodied in peace and liberty. 2014, uh, it was recognized by Congress as our national World War I memorial and museum for this purpose, remembering interpreting and understanding the great war in hopes that such a war would never occur again. Now we understand that even though they were hoping that that was the war to end all wars, it obviously was not. In many ways, it was the war that led to many other wars. Still, actually, still to this day. But it certainly does stand as a reminder to us of the price paid for our liberty. It's a memorial, not in terms of war and victory, but the results of war and victory. Uh, church, here, here we are tonight, two weeks from our observance of the Lord's Supper, which is a memorial of an eternal greater significance. And that memorial, as we take the bread representing Jesus' body and we take of the cup representing Jesus' blood, then we are commemorating. We have a memorial that he gave to us to observe. And we are commemorating not just war and victory, but watch this. We also are commemorating the results of the war, the one war, the battle that actually was fought on Mount Calvary that was indeed the war that would end all war for your soul when Jesus said, it is finished and we rejoice in that completion. In fact, I was going to have you turn to Colossians chapter 2, where it talks about how that he spoiled principalities and powers. He disarmed them. I mean, it really is military terminology that is used in Colossians to talk about the battle that was fought at Mount Calvary that, by the way, you and I could never have won only Jesus could win and he won and said it is finished. He was buried and rose again and he, he, he's coming again someday to take us home. Hey, listen, we've got a lot to remember. So that's what we want to talk about tonight. This memorial. 
This memorial is, is tied to uh, what took place in uh, the, the, the Passover meal. So we want to try to give the backgrounds, okay? Um, we have elements to prepare. We have uh, the ones that are going to observe it. That'd be us. I'm going to take next week to really try to prepare more us. But I want to exhort you even now to begin to prayerfully prepare to say, God, help me spiritually to be prepared. Certainly not something we take lightly. I, I'm reminded of the words that Brother Sam mentioned. The Lord only gave us two ordinances. We ought to do them well. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. Local church ordinances. Last year, we were not able to observe. Um, you know, if I had last year to do over, I'd do a lot of things different, wouldn't you? Some things, some things, you know, I mean, it's just all new to us, you know, with COVID restrictions and things of that nature and concerns. I mean, it was just, it's just different. I don't know what to make of it. It's just different. We're going to observe it this year and it's going to be a little bit different. Are you okay with different? We've kind of become accustomed to different. Different is kind of normal, right? In many ways, it's going to be different. Uh, I, I want to mention this tonight. I want to mention it next week just to kind of help us prepare. Typically we do. We have the ushers that pass the plate and you're going to take, you know, the first of all, the bread out and then you're going to pass it to the next person. They're going to take bread out and then they're going to take bread out. And then we observe it together and, and we're, you know, uh, partaking of the bread. Well, that's a little bit different right now. And probably everybody here would probably be okay with it if we did it even just the way that we've always done it. Okay. Um, but we were thinking this, okay, I'm just going to part. I, okay, this is going to be a totally different night tonight. I told you that. Did I tell you that? All right. So part of this is going to be preaching. Part of this is going to be teaching. Part of this is just going to be me sharing what's coming up. Okay. Um, we're not yet even passing the offering plate yet. You know, I mean, we have men at the doors doing that. Hey, listen, we, we're making progress. And, uh, we, you know, we're, we're just kind of evaluating things along the way. So, uh, you know, part of the reason why we're not yet passing the plate, I look forward to doing that. I look forward to the men coming in and doing what we've done in the past. I think it really does honor the Lord. And there, you know, I'm mindful there are people here that just started coming to Southwest that haven't seen that. You know, where the ushers in, on Sunday morning start from the back and come to the front and then they come with that offering plate and they bow here to offer that to the Lord, recognizing and somebody prays. Uh, we haven't even prayed for an offering in a long time. Well, I thank God for a bunch of offerings though, haven't you? And, and been mindful of that. So we're, we're getting there, but here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to put somebody that is concerned about, about the virus in an awkward spot where they have to touch and pass on to others. You, you understand that? Does that make sense? Um, trying to be mindful of others in that regard. We haven't done the handshaking time. You know how much I'm looking forward to the handshaking time in the midst of the service and having those kids come back up here. Kids, don't forget, don't forget to come back up here once we get to handshaking again. We're almost there. I feel like we're almost there. You know, but we're just trying to be mindful of, of some that may be, and I don't even have any names. I don't have a list. These are okay with shaking hands. These are not okay with shaking hands. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, but we're getting there. But we, we did consider, I'm just kind of be, I guess, basically just transparent with you right now to say that really tried to weigh this out, had a lot of struggles in my own heart and soul because I, I don't want the way that we observe the Lord's Supper to take away from the significance of the Lord's Supper. Okay, That's, that is so important. But, you know, you reason it out and you think, okay, I'm taking, everybody's touching this plate. Everybody, when you go, especially the bread. 
Okay? Have you ever had that moment where you're, and you're having a hard time taking the little wafer out, right? And you're touching more than just yours, right? And so then you're taking, and who, how many have touched it? I don't know. And then I'm taking that immediately to my mouth. So there's something about that that somebody might not be comfortable with. So that's what we're being mindful of. Okay, now the, the drink is not as much of a challenge, you know, because you pretty well just touch the one that you're taking. So Brother Ted, Brother Sam, Ben Zwanger are very much the ones that are involved in every year getting the Lord's Supper ready. I really appreciate all the work they do. They came across a, a, a deal where it has both contained in one. So this year, what we're going to do is we're going to have the deacons at the north and at the south. That service, in my estimation, is one of the most significant services that we do here. It's very contemplative. It's very honoring to God. And, uh, and so as you come in, there's going to be a, you know, a deacon that has, has the plate there. He'll have a mask and gloves, and he's just going to be holding that. You're going to take that out, and it's got both. And the top, it's got the bread, and it's a small wafer. I opened it up just to see how it was, just to try it, not... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I guess I'm being maybe more transparent. I don't know. But anyways, I mean, you kind of want to know. You got it. Anyways, I didn't observe it by myself. I was just checking it out. Okay. Anyways, but it's, it's, a, it's a wafer very much similar to what we're used to. Okay. It's just thin. You're going to think, is that it? Okay. I'm just telling you this right now so that when we observe the Lord's Supper, you're not thinking about it. Is that all right? You'll take off the top part, observe that, and then the next part, and you'll observe the cup, all contained in one. Okay? It's different. Can I be honest with you? In some ways, I don't like it. But it doesn't matter what I like. The main thing is that we observe it. That we get to observe it this year. Okay, so that's the route. And, and hopefully this will be the only time we do that. We move on. But we just thought at this point in time, that's probably the, the best route to take. Okay, let me make a few more points here. Um, so I think it's important. And the main thing that really I wanted to talk to you about that, I, I just I wanted to mention that just if that helps us to know what's coming ahead then I'll spend a little bit more time just on the procedures of it next uh, Sunday night, even just to help us. I mean, we're going to have the real people's class open uh, just like we've tried to along the way and, and just anyways, just trying to take care of things. But the main thing is just to try to honor the Lord. Remember. The further you get from an event, the first observance of an event, I think the more work you have to do to remember its historical reference and significance. We're pretty far removed now from even just Thanksgiving. I mean, like the observance of the first Thanksgiving. And as Americans, if we're not careful, we can get thinking about Thanksgiving more about football and Macy's Day Parade than what significance Thanksgiving is supposed to have. And I think it's important when we have Thanksgiving that we actually give thanks. But most Americans are not giving thanks. They're just having a day together. Okay. Um, there's a lot of tradition that's built into it. Uh, maybe you have your own traditions, you know, and certain foods that you have and 
certain things that you do. We always go around and, and have everybody just say a word of testimony. That's part of our tradition. And we've got a lot of other traditions kind of built into that. But, but you know, a lot of it is we want to explain even why and just take advantage of the opportunity to remember what was done, to be thankful, to fellowship together, and, and to look forward to another year together and thank God for all that. And, and so much of what we're looking at here with the Lord's Supper is very similar in that way. I want to make sure that we understand its historical significance. So take your Bibles now and turn back to Exodus and uh, chapter number six. I don't think I gave you a chapter. If you'll just uh, join me there in Exodus chapter number six. What I'd like to do at this time is to give uh, some background to the Passover meal. Now, some here are going to be very familiar with that. Some are going to be moderately familiar and some are not going to be familiar at all. So I hope that everyone would take into consideration that we do have some here that this is totally brand new and it may be repetitive for you, but let's be mindful of others. Right. And and uh, and it won't hurt us to hear it once again. That's for sure. So. Uh, some of this information comes from a gentleman named Everett Ferguson, who did, did the backgrounds of early Christianity, and then also uh, William Lane, uh, and then also uh, William Barclay, not Charles Barclay, got some information there uh, regarding how did they observe the Passover at the time of Jesus. In fact, it's a, a very interesting study. I, I know many of you that have been at Southwest for a long uh, length of time, you would remember Brother Sam bringing in an individual that was Jewish that gave uh, the Passover background and actually had the elements here, even as I have... Uh, some semblance of it. I don't have all those elements. I'm hoping when we go to Israel uh, that I'm able to pick up some Kadesh cubs, cups actually, you know, the four sets, because they would observe with four cups. We only observe one. We only actually observe cup number three. But there's significance to cup one, two, three, and four. And it actually has ties here to Exodus chapter six. All right, so that's what we're going to look at here. And I'll try to explain some of the other elements here that you may or may not know about that I think will be helpful to you. So first of all, let's just read uh, this, pass this passage here. And I want you to see verse 6 and 7 of Exodus chapter number 6 where it says this. Uh, wherefore, I, wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rid you out of their bondage and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments and I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God and ye shall know that I am the Lord your God which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." All right, now, if you paid attention to that reading, there are four parts there. Let me review them for you. And if you want to underline these, I think it could help you. In verse number six, it says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt, of the Egyptians. That's one. Two, I will rid you out of their bondage. That's two. Three, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm. And four, verse seven, I will take you to me for a people. Now, here in just a few days, Jewish people around the globe are going to observe the Passover. The Passover was the time when they remembered that God brought them out of Egyptian bondage. And if you remember this, God told Moses uh, to take the lamb and every family was to take a lamb and to, to, to slay the lamb and to take the blood of the lamb and to put that blood on the lintels of the post, the little post of the, of the door. And where I see the blood, I will pass over you. So that's why it's called the Passover. So wherever the blood was applied, the family was safe. And to this very day, wherever the blood is applied 
to a person's life by trusting Jesus as their Savior, that person is saved. All right. So Jews will remember the Passover. All right. So they will have a Passover meal with these elements to it. Okay. So let me just kind of orient us here. Obviously, we have the three cups. Now, their cups will not look like this. It's more, uh, you know, it has a cylinder to it in the top part. And, and so a Kadush cup, Kadush comes from the Hebrew word Kadosh. Kadosh is holy. And so the very first cup that the father, by the way, it's the dad that will lead the Passover. He will lead the family and uh, he will uh, have the, the first cup, the cup of Kadosh. Kadosh, again, means sanctification, holiness. So set apart. So there are the four cups. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Uh, there was also, of course, the unleavened bread that they would have, you know, that did not have the yeast in it because they were to eat it with haste. It didn't have time to rise. All right. So the unleavened bread. And then there would be... Um, the uh, lettuce and, and herbs, this is uh, romaine lettuce. An Angie, help me. You got to know. Parsley. Yeah. So bitter herbs. Um, actually, some of it, if you see a setter, by the way, you see a Passover setter. Setter means organization or arrangement. So they'd have uh, maybe horseradish. Some of you love it. It can be pretty bitter. All right. So then they would have another bowl that has, and I don't have any of it in here, but it would be a combination of dates and pomegranates and, and apples and, and kind of a mixture. It has a reddish tint to it, so, and it's called uh, charosheth, charosheth. And, and it's red because it was to remind them of the, the mortar from the bricks of Egypt. So they will remember that. The bitter herbs were to remind them of the bitter experience they had while in bondage of Egypt. They also have a bowl. This actually does have water in it, so I'm not going to pick that up, but it actually is salt water. It was to remind them, and they would take, you know, the herbs, and they would dip the herbs in that and, and then partake of that as part of the Passover meal. And it was to remind them of the tears that were shed while in Egypt Salt water, it's also to remind them of the Red Sea and how they passed through the Red Sea. So it's highly symbolic, right? Now, when they observe this, you know, you see the, the portrait of, of the Lord's Supper and they're all sitting at a table, but that's not how it was, okay? They didn't sit at a table, they reclined, okay? So the table would be maybe about, I don't know, six to eight foot, eight, no, six to eight inches off the ground, <laughs> Wrong measurement. And they would recline. I'm not sure if everybody can see me here, but they would recline like this, one, one arm on the, on the ground. The table's here. And uh, I'm not going to bring all these elements down. I think I'll be able to work better from that table there. But they would have all those elements right there in front of them. So when Jesus said that one of you shall betray me, the father, he's explaining this. In fact, in, in um, Jewish custom, as well as in the Old Testament, uh, one of the children would, was to ask, in fact, the way it is it traditionally is the youngest child would ask, what does this mean? And then the father would teach. The head of the family would teach. Jesus, as the head of the family, was teaching them the significance of the Passover. And, and they would ask questions he would answer. But the father sometimes would raise up and give an explanation. 
And Jesus, while they're observing the Lord's Supper, now I'll come back to the sequence of this in a little bit, but, but he rises and he says that one of you shall betray me. Well, all of them are concerned. It says, is it I, is it I, is it I, is it I? And he gives them some, some indication as to who it is. It's the one with whom he would dip the sop, you know, in, in, the, in the dish. Well, that means it would be either this person that is here to his right, which would most likely be John, because he leaned on his bosom. Are you following me here? He leaned on his bosom, which would mean basically he just leaned back to ask Jesus, hey, is it me? Is it I? He leaned on his bosom. Do you get that? Okay. Um, by the way, this whole thing about reclining like this, it's symbolic. We're at peace. We've got freedom. We're reclining. You don't recline when you're not at peace and when you don't have freedom. This is a posture of everything's okay in Israel. You following me? And so Judas most likely would have been here. Okay? So that's part of what is going on. So the order of this, and I'm going to try to go from memory as best I can, but please pardon me if I have to refer to my notes a little bit along the way. I just want to try to get it right. The cup of Kadosh was first. Grape juice, unfermented, not alcoholic. God's against alcohol. Okay, so we observe with unfermented grape juice. The cup of Kadosh would be taken. There would be a prayer offered. At every stage, and lest I forget, at every stage, there's the washing of the hands, the cleanliness. It's washing of the hands. They would take the herbs and they would take some of the herbs and they would dip the herbs in the, in the salt water and to remember the bitter experience they had in Egypt. Some of the lettuce, they will take that and dip it in the, in the, in the water as well. Then the head of the father will take the bread and there's actually a prayer. I've got it in my notes if anybody's interested. It's really a, you know, a, a traditional prayer that they would pray and, and the father would break the bread. The leader would break the bread and he's given it to all of his disciples. Are you following me here? He would give it to them and he would pass it here and they would take it and pass it around that way. Okay, and here. And, they, and he's saying this is the bread of affliction that we ate in Egypt and it's reminding us of how that we had to leave in haste. It's unleavened. By the way, I didn't mention this. We'll come to it more next week. But the father and the children, everybody in the house, they'd search the whole house to make sure there's no leaven in the house. So what we're doing here symbolically, even as Southwest Baptist Church, is to make sure there's no leaven in the house, no hypocrisy in the house, no bitterness in the house, no immorality in the house. In other words, because we're, we are commemorating our freedom, our liberty, and our peace with God, we don't need to be holding any animosity in our hearts towards anyone and no immorality in our hearts. I'm telling you, this is a very serious thing. Paul said, some of you aren't observing the Lord's Supper properly and some of you are sick, some of you are weak, and some of you sleep, meaning that some of you have died. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, it's a very serious observance. Okay, so they would do that. That would be the first cup, the cup of Kadosh or cup of Kadosh, the, the sanctification. The second cup, the cup of Haggadah, I think is what it, how it's termed. The cup of Hag Haggadah. Haggadah uh, would, would, would mean this, the cup of explanation. The cup of explanation. So the father will, 
will take the cup or the leader will take the cup. Jesus took the cup. He drank from it and they all would drink from the cup and they would remember that. And then again, you would also have um, the observance with the, with the water again. Remember that. But then also this time they would take the unleavened bread and they would put some of the bitter herbs in it and then they would dip it into the dish which would be like almost like a paste, um, the consistency of which I've seen various forms of it. You know, if you've, if you've been to the mission field, then you know a lot of times you actually don't eat with a fork and a spoon. But you take some form of bread and you dip that in there and you get, oh, it's wonderful. All right? And, and so it would be like, like uh, probably what we're used to, like a guacamole type uh, consistency to it, you know, something like that. And so they would take that, but again, it's red to remind them they, that they were, they were uh, in Egypt under bondage and, and working with mortar. And so they would do that and they would eat that together. And then also at this time, during this time of the, the second cup, that is when they actually would eat the Passover lamb. I don't have anything here representing the lamb, but they would actually eat the Passover meal, the lamb, the main part of the meal at that time. Okay, everybody follow me? That's during cup two. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 25, if I'm not mistaken, that after he had supped, then when he had supped, then they took the cup. So this then would be, okay, wait a minute. I'm getting just a little bit ahead of myself. Okay, cup one, the, the Kadosh cup would be in relationship to the first, let me go back to Exodus chapter six here where it says, I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. That's cup number one. The, the family, they would read that verse together or the father would read that verse. I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. They would observe all that I've just explained to you. And then they'd come to the second cup and he would read this part of Exodus chapter six. And I'm telling you, this goes on today. They will read, I will rid you out of the, their bondage, the cup of explanation. Then they would eat the Passover lamb and come to cup number three. Cup number three, they would read this verse. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. This cup is the cup of thanksgiving. This is the cup of redemption. Anybody seeing some significance right here? Most likely Judas left at the end of the Passover meal before they came to this third cup. This is the cup that you and I will commemorate on March the 30th, is that, if that's the date, the Tuesday night. This is the cup. We are observing the third cup because this is the cup. This is the stage in which Jesus said, this is the cup of my blood. All of the unleavened bread by this point has been eaten. I forgot to mention that. Prior to the third cup, they will eat all of the unleavened bread. So take, eat, this is my body. He would observe that with them already at that point between cup two and three. At cup three, he says, this is my blood, which is shed for you. The cup that in Exodus chapter six is connected to their redemption. Redemption being the price that was paid for them to go free. And then they would observe the elements there together and they would sing Hallel. Hallel is Psalm 113 to 118, but at cup number one, they would sing Psalm 113 to 115. 
And then they would sing, if I'm not mistaken there, I may have my divisions wrong, but the last hymn that they would sing would be the remainder from 116 through 118. And so that's most likely what it's referring to when they says, when it says here that they went out and they sung in hymn, it is Jesus singing on the way to Calvary. And if you go back and you read Psalm 116, 117, 118, you're going to be reading some very significant verses that have to do with how he came to redeem us. And this is the Lord's work, and it's marvelous in our eyes. That's Psalm 118. The fourth cup. Jesus says, I will not drink of this cup. He didn't drink the fourth one. That fourth cup is known as this. I'm talking about in modern Jewish times, as well as in ancient history with the Jews, it's known as the cup of consummation when everything is done. Jesus says, we've drunk cup one, two, and three, but we're going to hold off on this one until I drink it new with you in the kingdom. Mercy sakes alive. That one's still to come, which means this. He knew he was about to go to the cross, but he also knew he was going to rise again. And he knew that he was going to depart from this earth and ascend back to heaven and that he was going to leave us here. And he knew that the tribulation period was going to take place after he comes by way of the rapture. But he also knows that he's going to set up his literal kingdom. Hey, listen to me, friend. That fourth cup is still yet to come. It's a cup of anticipation. It's a cup of consummation. And it will be observed. That's the beauty. This is our liberty Memorial. It's tied to the Jewish Passover, but he takes that element of the third cup, the breaking of the bread and the third cup and gives it a whole new significance to mean his body and his blood, not the, not the bread that was eaten in haste. And even the grape juice is, is symbolic as well as it was pressed and crushed so that the juice would run out. So he would be crushed for our sins. He would be crushed for your sins. And listen, friend, for us, hang on, wait just a minute. For us to have peace and us to have liberty, he had to die in your place. And we ought never, ever forget that he did that. For us, citizens of Kansas City went together and in quick fashion raised funds to be able to build a memorial so that we would never forget the price that was paid for us to have peace and liberty in this day and time. And that was not the war that would end all wars. But how, how much more should we remember the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior as our God given memorial, our God given way of remembering there is a price paid for you to have peace with God and for you to be free? Don't ever forget that. I wonder how many people drive past the Liberty Memorial in Kansas City and never think a thing about it. And I realize that if you lived there, probably you'd do that and you wouldn't think about it just because you're just going on your way. But I wonder how many believers living right there around the memorial, so to speak, don't really stop and take it in that he died for me. Gave his life, shed his blood. His body was broken for me, shared for me. And, and, it, and it's symbolic of how that he's with us and also symbolic of the fact that he's coming again and we show the Lord's death till he comes.
And we observe the Lord's Supper only one time a year. I'm not saying that churches that observe it multiple times a year, quarterly or however often, uh, are wrong in doing so. Paul says, do this as often as you do it. Total liberty there, but I love that ours is tied directly to the Passover. And it keeps it significant so that we remember the body and the blood of our Lord. We have two weeks to search our lives for leaven. To see if there's anything in our life that's not pleasing to God. I, I like to mention that. You know why? Because number one, you need to be saved to observe. We do not practice an open communion that's just open to anybody. This is not an outreach effort. Okay? You got to be a member of Southwest Baptist Church to absorb it. We, we observe what's known as a closed form of communion. Not close. Close means that believers from all different churches observe it. But what we see in the New Testament is that it is a local church ordinance. And everyone's to examine themselves. And that's why we do it on a Tuesday night so it's not put on to the end of a service. That way it's also significant. But it's also just for the members of our church. So that means also this. There may be somebody here that is saved, that believes God wants to be a, a part of this church. Now would be a good time for you to talk to somebody about that, to say, you know, I believe this is where God wants our membership. And, and either you need to join by transfer of membership or you may need to join by baptism because you do need to be baptized scripturally before you observe the Lord's Supper. But then for everybody else that is a member of this church, for you to observe, to, to observe properly, to evaluate yourself, to, as, to use the words of Paul, to examine yourself prior to observation of the Lord's Supper because we are commemorating our liberty that he won once and for all. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for what our Savior did as he took the elements of the Passover and gave them great significance. God, I am saddened to think about Jews who beginning on uh, March the 27th, we'll begin to observe the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And we'll do so until April the 4th, and they don't know their Messiah. God, I want to thank you that we have the privilege of knowing him. And I want to thank you, dear God, that we can commemorate, that we can remember the results of what was accomplished on Mount Calvary as he said it is finished. I pray that you'd help us in the observation, the observance rather of of the Lord's Supper. And God, prepare us spiritually as a church. Lord, would you search our hearts to see if there be any leaven of sin in our hearts, dear God, that any might have some secret sin, some secret sin that's tucked away that others maybe don't know about. Oh God, I pray that you'd search the heart and help to cleanse the life to prepare, dear God, I pray lest we would dishonor what you came to do. Please help us in that regard, dear Lord, I pray. And bless this invitation time. We will thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together here tonight.